0: to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. We have your co-host, Matt and Vitor, here as well. This week is going to be the continuation of our position preview series. We're going to be talking about the tight ends, going through the roster as a whole, like always. We're going to start a little bit differently this time. Rather than jumping straight into the roster, we're going to go through a little history of Shanahan tight ends in general and how you don't always need to have a tight end. The system will kind of find one. So, guys, I'm going to lead off real quick and just name off a few names throughout history of players that were not really highly regarded before they played in this system at tight end and went on to enjoy really successful careers. And it starts with undrafted Shannon Sharp in Denver under Mike Shanahan, the original. Uh, He was the first one that went from an undrafted player to a Hall of Fame tight end playing in the Shanahan system. You have Owen Daniels in Houston, uh, also in his time in Denver under Gary Kubiak, which is another disciple of the same system. George Kittle was a fifth round pick, or I believe he was a fifth round pick for San Francisco. And no one expected him to be the arguably best tight end in the NFL. You can go down the list on and on. I'm sure there's guys I'm forgetting, but you will, the scheme will create opportunities for tight ends to produce like it does for a lot of players on the offense, to be quite honest. And I think this is something we need to be cognizant of where a lot of people were worried about the Jets don't have a tight end, or we're worried about Chris Herndon. If he's ever going to make the next step and they signed Tyler Croft, who's more of a block. And so we're all wondering, you know, George Kittle was such a big factor for San Francisco. Who's going to be playing that role? Well, it might not have to be that way. And it might be that we'll find a guy to fit the role that we need based on what the system schemes are. Guys, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, you know, when you talk about the way that the 49ers offense deployed George Kittle, it's what you said, Andrew. He was a fifth round pick that that just showcased great skills for the system. And then they start to feed off Keto. It wasn't like they draft Keto to be the guy that he is today. And you look at Gary Kubiak, he had Owen Daniels, he had Brian Griffin drafted in his first year now with the Jets. They don't have guys that just plug play and you run the system around him. This system is a system that puts linebackers in conflict all the time. And usually, who covers tight ends are linebackers. And that's why basically tight ends succeed under the wide outside zone scheme. And that's why maybe Herndon has a a great reappearance. Tyler Croft becomes a guy that's more than just a blocker because the scheme puts the guy that covers them in conflict.
2: Yeah, we got a great group of guys that just have a variety of different talents. Uh, You got Wesco, who maybe plays more of a fullback position. And you got uh, the bigger guys, the slower guys, but they're they're good inline guys. The guys you can rely on for chip blocks, the guys that can maybe protect the quarterback a little bit better. Then you got the move guys. You got Yaboa Ye- and, and Herndon. You got a you got some variety in this group, and somebody's going to emerge as probably a receiving star. Who that is, uh, I don't know. We'll we'll find out. Yeah,
0: I agree with both you guys. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before whoever becomes the lead guy in the tight end room emerges, and they may not be amazing but they will be the clear lead guy and we're going to talk into you know all the players in a minute and we'll get into who we think that is but this system and Vitor you nailed it put linebackers in conflict tight ends usually are covered by linebackers and especially with the wide zone in particular the most common play off the wide zone is the boot action and it's the tight end coming across on the little flat route or he's backside and he pretends like he's doing a cut block and leaks out the back end. That's just easy yards. These guys just get to catch the ball in space and run for six yards before anyone even gets close. When you get a guy that's a tight end, that's that big, that that's strong up to speed and give him some room to run. Sometimes they can break some tackles. Sometimes they can get going. That's why George Kittle is so fantastic is that he's as big and as fast and as strong as he is, he can still run through contact break tackles and take advantage of the space he's given the tight ends are going to have space it's going to up to be seen what they do with it i think that's the the overarching point that we're going to make from this episode is that this at this scheme as with most other players as we're going to talk about and have talked about is just going to elevate the players and that stands for tight end just as much as anyone else. all right so why don't we lead it off uh, get straight into the roster here i think the logical place to start would be with the longest-tenured guy in the room, and that would be Chris Herndon. So I believe, Matt, you have Chris Herndon, correct?
2: I think I do, yeah, I do. All right, Uh, Matt, go ahead, take it away. So after a roaring start to his career, Herndon's stock has fallen off the proverbial cliff. Uh, To start 2019 season, Chris was suspended four games for violating the substance abuse policy. Then, to add insult to injury, he hurt his hamstring, uh, and this delayed everything even more. He didn't get in till about week 10, I believe. And he didn't do much at anything. He looked like a fish out of water. Uh, And then on top of that, then he hurt his ribs. (laughs) So it was a lost season in 2019. And 2020 proved to be not much better. Uh, He was able to stay healthy. That's good. uh, But he played all 16 games. But he didn't really click. And most importantly, he didn't really produce. There are flashes near the end of the season, but really not enough to really give us any kind of confidence that he can stay consistent. Uh, So here's the question for 2021 Is Herndon going to be the guy at tight end? Uh, In my opinion, I don't think so. Consistency is just not something I've seen with Chris. And we could blame any number of things for this, Uh, we could blame Gase. We can blame his injuries. We can name a few things, but in the end, until he proves proves otherwise, I think we should continue to think that he's going to be inconsistent. Uh, If Herndon can turn things around and become more consistent, we'll be getting a huge weapon in the passing game. We know Chris is big and athletic. When you look at his flashes, you see a tight end who can make tough catches and come down with big plays. And as a blocker. Chris has held up very well in pass protection. He only gave up four pressures last year in 109 pass blocking opportunities. As a run blocker, he's been very average. He does need to improve in this area. Uh, He has the tools to be great. It's just up to him to put it all together. And Chris knows this too. He's very aware that he needs to take the next step and become more consistent. Uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing if he actually can. What do you guys think?
1: When you go back to Herndon's best games, he was under Jeremy Bates, who also ran the wide zone system. Like you know, mm-hmm. he got in favorable spots. Herndon is an athletic guy that I believe needs to get ridden and confident early. I think I agree with you, Matt. His mental is his biggest issue here because sometimes he'll, he looks like he's not in this planet. You know, he he suffered a fumble against Buffalo last year that he was clearly not you know with his head in the game. He was another planet. And if you start to feed Herndon early in games, I feel like he gets going. He gets ridden. And that's what Jeremy Bates did late in the 2019 season. You get some boot action, get Herndon early on quick flats, crossers, and he gets it going. Because as you said, Matt, we all know Herndon has the physicality. He's big. He is fast for his size. He can block well, especially in the passing game. Adam Gaze last year utilized him as a sixth offensive lineman basically all the time on third downs, what also hampered his development early and getting going in games. You know, he was like, okay, I'm going to block. And he usually just didn't care much. And I believe that a new coaching staff, I even wrote an article about that, a new coaching staff can bring out the best turn because of what Andrew said. You're going to run the ball wide to the outside. Linebackers will be moving to the wrong way to the wrong side, because Herndon will be going flat, crosser, and he's fast. He can break some tackles. And, you know, as we saw late in the season, Herndon was getting confident in the red zone. Caught some tough passes, a tough seam route against the Patriots. He got hammered in the middle of the field. He has all the tools. I believe he just needs a coaching staff that gets him going and allows him to be confident in his game.
0: Yeah. I'm right with you guys. I'm right there with you. He needs someone to light a fire under him and there's no one better to start fires than Robert Zala. Uh, It's, it's, I really hope that this is the coaching staff goes to him and gives him the chance to use all that athletic talent and put it together and be in a better situation before they just kind of write him off as somebody that they didn't take. And, you know, they're evaluating everybody equally, which I think they should, but i would really love to see them give chris herndon kind of like the first crack because i think out of everybody that we're going to talk about today that he is the most athletically gifted of any player and i think his ceiling is the highest out of anybody we're going to talk about today if he can put it all together we got a really really solid player i think what's happened is as with the rest of the jets obviously but i think herndon has kind of regressed to the mean because he was a fourth round pick and as a rookie with Sam Darnold, he played better than a fourth round pick. He played like maybe an early third round pick, maybe even a late second round pick at tight end at times. He was absolutely unguardable in the Colts game. And there, there was flashes of a guy that was going to be a starting caliber player and, and more than just a quality one for, for a while. And then Adam Gase and the new offense and everything else that came with it and Sam Darnold mono and not having chemistry and anything you want to label it just all kind of fell back down to earth and the last two years they've kind of just bottomed out and it really really makes me want to see this guy get the chance to succeed because his talent is evident we've all talked about it we're all going to say that's the thing to talk about with chris Herbin, is his talent and in the right situation especially on the boot concepts and potentially leaks i think he can really do some damage and if not then I'm not sure. Then I think that kind of is your answer. This is kind of like it's put up or shut up time for Herndon. Where if this isn't if this isn't the situation where you start to we start to see improvement. then I don't know what will be.
2: One yeah. thing you mentioned is the those flashes in his rookie year where he looked well above his draft position, right. And but at the same time, it, maybe it wasn't as uh, often as last year. But you would see the flashes of the bad as well. Uh, he can make these incredible catches that would make your head spin. But at the same time, he would drop these very easy passes that everybody should right. be catching. So he showed he showed inconsistency even when at his best. And now it's, yeah, like like you said, he's just back to earth now. Now we're seeing maybe what he truly is, and we need to wait and see if he can go beyond that.
0: All right, well that's going to lead us to the next guy on the list, uh, Vitor. I'm going to have you take it away with Ryan Griffin because he's like we talked about, experienced in the system more so than anybody else. Uh, and I think actually over the last handful of years, has probably been the most consistently productive tight end on the roster.
1: Yeah, Griffin was drafted by Gary Kubiak. You know, he only played one year under Kubiak because the Texans then hired Bill Bryan. But Ryan Griffin, man, he's a guy. That he's solid, you know, if Brian Griffin is the Jets, like number four tight end is zero, or number three tight end is zero, the Jets are fine. We don't know what turn is going to be. Croft, we don't know how he's going to be utilized. If it's going to be majorly a blocker. Griffin gives the Jets something, you know, a guy that, you know, he backed up Owen Daniels, the guy that Andrew, you were saying was right. a product of the system. You know, Griffin backed him up, learned from him. He knows the system, knows the scheme. And you know, let's forget 2020 for a second because everyone sucked on that offense, besides Kai <laughs> Bacton. Right. In 2019, Ryan Griffin stepped it up, and we didn't even miss Chris Hearn. He played really well. He was San Darnold's go-to guy in many occasions. It was basically was. him and Jameson Crowder owning the middle of the field. He scored two touchdowns against the Jaguars, got a touchdown against the Washington Redskins, and a couple big mm-hmm. plays. He's a solid football player. He's a solid football player. You know. And something that I, I've seen from the Shanahan tree, Shanahan did this a lot in a planet. He went empty out of three tight end sets, 13 personnel. Three tight ends, are running back and a receiver, and Shanahan was playing anti sets. And if the Jets want to go some anti sets with three tight ends, they have Herndon, they have Griffin, and they have Croft. And Griffin is a guy that can see some mismatches here. A crossing routes. He's a guy that can stretch the scene even though he's not the fastest player in the field. I feel like Ryan Griffin could find you know a spot here to get a season of like thirty receptions, two hundred yards, something like that, a couple touchdowns, and be a serviceable guy. You know, third tight end that makes plays is solid, is reliable. You know, I really like Ryan Griffin.
2: Yeah, he's a solid vet, and yep, he knows how to attack coverages and use leverage. Uh. I don't think he's going to be the kind of guy that you're going to want to stretch the field with. He's he doesn't have that kind of speed. He likes to use his size. He wants to box out defenders. Uh, He'll be the guy that that gets open on those leaks, uh, the backside stuff. He's going to use his savviness and his size to his advantage. He's a guy I could see the Jets using on early down passing
1: packages. Like the Jets are going 12 and they're going to run stick. And they can go with two play calls, like wide zone to the left. If the quarterback kills, they're going to run stick. Brian Griffin is a guy that can run the stick really well. He sits out linebackers. He knows how to read leverage. I think he's a guy that can be utilized in his office. And he's a forgotten man right now.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I might actually be a little higher on him than you guys are because if you had to make me bet on the one player in this room to be the guy like I talked about earlier I actually think it's Ryan Griffin I think he was the best I think he's the best natural fit in the scheme as the combination of passing threat and blocking threat he's a solid blocker and he's a more consistent threat in the passing game and he just knows how to get open and he knows how to settle in zones. He understands some of the little things about the position that we don't see in a Chris Herndon. And I think that's what's really going to help him in this scheme more than anyone else, because this scheme is all about craftiness. this. scheme is all about being tricky and sneaky and making everything look the same pre-snap, just to change it up post-snap. And Ryan Griffin is a guy that understands that. I really think the, the consistency of it based, you know, context aside, looking at everything as a whole, what he was able to do, given the circumstances he was in, I think is pretty respectable. I, I honestly think it's pretty solid for what you could have expected him as a low-level free agent signing at tight end. In this scheme, I think he could only produce even better. I have the clip in my head. I've forgotten about it just until the other day, uh, doing research for this episode, where you talked about it, Vitor, it was against the Jaguars, where he had two touchdowns in that game, and one of which was just a simple like stop route. And just a sit in a sit under zone and he catches it and turns and runs for like about 20 yards and no one even touches it. Yep. That's the type of guy that I think in this scheme with given more opportunities to get in space, maybe he's faster than we think he is. Maybe he's better after the catch than we think he is. And I really am going to put my stake on. If I had to pick one of these guys, I think Ryan Griffin is going to be a contributor on this team. I really do.
1: I hope so. And this touchdown, against the the Jaguars hand Arnold was hesitant to throw a touchdown. We ran in a, like a spot with a wheel by, I think, Le'Veon or the running back. And Arnold was like, I want to throw the wheel. I want to throw the wheel. And Griffin gave me the ball. He threw it to Griffin like after three seconds of being wide open. And Griffin just plays to the end. He was really fast on that play. He played yeah. really well that game. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think um, if anybody's going to be the safety pick, it's going to be Griffin. If you want one guy that you can put your money on and be like, all right, this guy's most likely to fit in this game and thrive, it's Griffin. Everybody else is kind of a wild card or a role player, but Griffin's the guy that you can probably rely on the most.
0: Well, from one guy that can be relied on to a new face entirely, I'm going to take on Tyler Croft, a former Buffalo tight end and also former Cincinnati bagel. Now, Tyler Croft is interesting because he only had 12 catches last year. Uh, he played in every game, but he only had 12 catches. He was mainly used as a blocker, um, and Buffalo really kind of turned away from running the ball as the season went on, as they discovered Josh Allen and how effective he was. And Croft didn't quite have the opportunities as other players, but he only had 12 catches. He had three touchdowns at 12 catches. So that's pretty Dang efficient, especially if you were talking about touchdown to catch ratio. And if you go back to 2017 in Cincinnati, it was his best season of his career. He fought 42 balls, hit 404 yards, seven touchdowns that year. So he's been able to be productive beyond just being a blocking tight end. Those numbers don't blow the doors off anybody, but as a number two tight end, and number potentially three tight end, not your starting go to receiving tight end, those are solid numbers. If, I think in a different system, he's not going to get the target volume to get numbers up to that quite caliber, but I think he's going to get more targets than he did in Buffalo. And this could be a guy that finishes the year with maybe 25 or 30 catches and four or five of them are touchdowns. And he's a knock your ass out blocker the whole time. I am I think this is a really solid depth signing. I'm not, don't expect anything amazing, but I think for what he is, the jets are getting exactly what they need and exactly what they expect. And that's all you can hope.
2: Yep. Uh, I think that's exactly what his role is gonna be. He's gonna be a near-the-line guy that's gonna knock your ass out in blocking. Uh I don't think he I think he had one receiving play over 20 yards last year. And I think it was blown coverage against the Jets. Uh so he's he's not gonna be the guy that you're Typical. sending downfield. He's he's gonna be near the line, he's gonna be a warrior, and uh I'm okay with him playing that role. I I can see him thriving in that role. It's nothing special. I mean, it's it's gonna. Well, his role will open up everything else for everybody else, and I'm okay with that. I I don't. I'm not expecting him to be the guy.
1: You know, I feel like Croft was a great once again value signing by Douglas because he came off from a team that played mostly all the snaps on ten personnel. That means no tight end on the field. So Croft. He didn't have much to show in Buffalo last year. And he's going from a system that didn't care about him to a system that needs him. And I feel like this is good for a football player that's young as Croft. He's going to come in for the Jets and say, hey, I'm going to give my life here. I'm going to block this, the hell out of the running game here. And maybe if Croft is so great, is our like he's that much better than everyone else as a run blocker. He can get some snaps as our lone tight end in 21 personnel sets, being the guy that is the strong side of, of, of the wide zone, or maybe cutting back side on split zone action because he can move and he can block on a move. You know, I feel like Croft would be my guy to say, maybe just maybe these guys are tight end one. You guys said Griffin. I, you know, I also think that Hernan needs to get the first crack, but I think Croft is low key good all around. From what I saw in Buffalo when they utilize him as a pass catcher, he is fluid. He's a Floyd mover. I thought he was going to be much, much, much more slow, much slower. And he's not. I feel like maybe, maybe Croft is a guy that the Jets utilize as their tight end one because he's so good as a run blocker that he opened things up for himself in the passing game.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, actually, because as we've talked about at length over disguising play calls and making everything look the same, if your run blocking tight end one is also your receiving tight end one, now you don't have a tell because yep. swapping from Tyler Croft on the strong side to Ryan Griffin on the strong side might tip pass or run. If Tyler Croft can be serviceable enough in the passing game, you might actually make a better argument than we did, Vitor, for him to be the tight end one because of his combination of skill sets and how that affects the rest of the offense. I still think Griffin's talent receiving is going to make him a little more valuable um, but it, it wouldn't be completely out of the range of possibility at all for Croft to potentially ascend into the role. I think especially the the point you made but that was that was dead on
1: yep that's the way I see too I agree with you Herndon needs the first crack and if and it's consistent, He's our tight end one, and this offense is going to be deadly. You know, this offense can be deadly Mm -hmm. if Herndon plays like he did in his rookie year. But if Herndon keeps being an inconsistent football player, I feel like Croft can step in and be just good. Just good. He's going to run block well. He's going to catch some passes. You know, I like him. And I really, really like JD signing
0: once again. Yeah, solid debt move. Solid debt move. Uh, speaking of JD signings, that's going to lead
2: us into the headliner, of the undrafted free agent class, Kenny Yaboa. Matt, floor is yours. So Yaboa is a guy I am very happy fell to us as an undrafted free agent. I had a mid-round grade for him, and I would have been more than happy if we drafted him. Um, I guess going undrafted just adds another page to the book of people sort of underestimating Kenny. Uh, he wasn't recruited very heavily out of high school. He only got two offers from FBS schools. He ended up going to Temple uh, under uh, Matt Rule, actually. Uh, it was here that he sort of they put on weight and transitioned from wide receiver to tight end. Uh, it took about two years for uh, Yaboa to sort of get his feet under him. Uh, but in 2019 it was probably his best year at Temple. And even then, it wasn't really anything special. Uh, he graduated and entered the, the transfer portal uh and then he just ended up going to Ole miss he was, his two choices were baylor or Ole miss uh but as soon as Roll left baylor is all right i'm gonna go to lane kiffin and lane kiffin used him very well uh he found himself at Ole miss uh he really hit his stride there he became very efficient blocker and receiver uh, he became uh, an all around talent. Uh, to quote Yaboa, I think of myself as a pass catcher and a blocker. I know a lot of people say it, but if you turn on the film, I block. I actually enjoy blocking. I enjoy pa- pancaking people. I take pride in my blocking. If I miss a block, I'm going to get pissed off. And I, I like that. I, I like that he wants to get dirty. He wants to get his face and everybody else's face and just pancake people. I think that's something that people aren't really thinking about with him. I think they're thinking about what he did at Ole Miss as a receiver. And he's a lot more than that. And being that dual threat could give him the edge in this tight end room. Uh, in only eight games, Yubo was able to put up some very good numbers. He had uh, 27 receptions for... 524 yards and six touchdowns. And he had his best game against uh the best school in college football. He put up a buck 81 and two touchdowns against Crimson Tide. Uh, and then he opted out the rest of the season after week 8. And it's reasonable to think that those numbers would have been a lot better if he stayed. Uh and there's also a chance that his decision to opt out was probably the reason why he went on undrafted. Uh so if you look at the tight ends who succeed in the Shanahan style, like we said, you got guys that aren't really highly sought after, like we said before. And Yaboa sort of fits that to a T. He the underrated guy that nobody really saw coming out of high school. Then he goes undrafted. And now he's uh he's in our in our crowded tight end room with a bunch of guys with serviceable backgrounds. You got guys like Herndon, who's an athletic freak. Where does he fit in in this group? I think he has the potential to be the best of all of them and to be that guy in this tight end group. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think
0: the the potential is there. Um, I will. I'm going to co-sign what you said about him as a blocker. Uh, on his tape, he probably blocks more than he catches. And he's he's either the wing tight end and he's blocking on the backside, or he's playing strong side uh, when Ole Miss runs their like zone plays. Or a lot of times he does like we talked about with Tyler Croft, he does split action and he cracks down on the backside. He does that a lot, and he is not scared of getting his face in the trash and you know trying to lay somebody out. So that that quote is an accurate one. I can I can test to that, and that's what definitely what you want. That's always a start. In order to be a good blocker, you have to want to be a good blocker. Length, strength, technique, all of that comes afterwards. And Yeboah's got the attitude. That's going to help him, like we said, with not tipping off runner pass. That's going to be huge for whoever our lead tight end is as well. Um, and it's important to note that he was a priority free agent for the Jets. That This was a guy they really, really wanted. And probably had a lot of debates about taking at some point in the later rounds of the draft. Once they realized that he was probably going to go undrafted, it did not take long for them to get on the phone. And get this guy signed and that's definitely speaks volumes because the offensive coaches know what they're looking for for this type of position they scout for roles they just try and find players to fit their roles there's a difference between a role player and someone who fits a role They need someone to do very specific things at every particular position. And we talked about it all draft season. We talked about running backs, their speed and one cut ability. We talked about receivers being able to win on vertical routes and over the middle on deep crosses. We talked about offensive linemen being fleet and agile for zone blocking. They have particular skill sets. And Yaboa fits very, very well in this particular skill set. The number one thing I think for him is going to be transitioning and understanding the playbook because going from the Lane Kiffin offense to the Shanahan wide zone is night and day. And it's going to be consistency in getting a bigger share of targets. How is he going to hold up when he's getting targeted a lot more than he was in college? And speaking of the Ole Miss or the Alabama game, he did receive a handful of targets in that game. A lot a handful of them were schemed targets from Lane Kiffin where he was not even covered. And it's that might happen. With our scheme too, but we are we going to have a guy that can be reliant when it's third and six and we need a guy to convert an eight yard catch? And uh, are you going to be consistent and box out your guy and get open and be the safety valve, or are you going to be the guy that needs to be schemed open? I think it's all about consistency with your ball.
1: Yeah, what you said, Andrew, it's exactly what I think. You're going from an offense that's ran by Len Caffeine to one that's ran by a Shannon. Right. It's completely different. And he's an underdraft. Yeah, so you gotta temper your expectations. I feel like Yeboa has tons of potential. And he may be stashed in a practice squad. What I was gonna ask you guys is do you guys think that if the Jets place him in the practice squad, someone tries to claim him? That's something yes. the that Jets need to think about. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah absolutely.
1: If they love Yeboa, they might have to, you know, utilize a roster spot to protect him. Is he ready to play? Does he deserve a roster spot in a tight end room that already has Herndon, Croft, Griffin? I don't know. It's gonna to be tough. I feel like he's going to come out as our fourth tight end. He's going to show just enough in training camp to make this roster.
2: Yeah, I would say about maybe four tight ends. Uh and maybe Wesco joins as a fullback. Yeah, that's gonna be yeah. it for me. Yep.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's exactly where it could light up. I think. If he gets to the practice squad, someone will steal him. So it's important to keep him on the active roster. Um, and I think Wesco will probably, quite honestly, change positions to be listed as a fullback, and he will just be the full-time Kyle Juszczyk. I think that's a good transition into uh, Wesco. That's who Vito is going to cover next. So tell us about our potential new yep. Juszczyk.
1: Well, that's that's too much for Wesco, but hey, he's going to play this role, man. <laughs> it's He's going to be your fullback. If the Jets are in eye formation, he's going to be your fullback. He's going to lead their outside zones, our wide zones. He's going to get their backsides and running split zones out of eye formations. And, you know, I really like, I low key like West Cole in the open field. He is a tough runner, man. He's a tough guy to bring down. He's big, he's strong, he runs with a purpose. You know, he's not as athletic flu as Juszak. shack you know, he is a freak he he can run like his lot receiver sometimes does like he's like a bigger lot of receiver when he's when he's lined up there and his still can kills you when he's blocking to the run he's aggressive and all those things but West Cole I he's a guy that we're gonna see a lot in the field this year we saw some from Gaze last year as Gaze also ran some lead outside zones he, we're going to see much more of Wesco this year. And I feel like Wesco is a guy, he's going to be a solid fullback. He's not going to be Jusek, not going to be Tony Richardson, but it's going to be solid. You know, he can do. The, he can get the job done. He can lead your outside zones. And if the Jets want to run some boot action and get Wesco on the flat, he's going to be just fine. What I don't think Wesco is capable of doing is doing what the 49ers did with Jusak. Let's go with 21 personnel, but we're going to line up as if we were in eleven with Jusak as our slot receiver. I don't think the Jets are going to do that with Wesco, but the Jets have so many pieces right now, you know, six wide receivers that can play, three tight ends that can play, running backs that the lineup everywhere, that Wesco being this role player, this guy that's going to lead the runs, catch some passes on uh, in the flat, he's going to be just fine. You know, Wesco is a guy that I think Jets fans, this is my prediction for Wesco, are going to like this year. Like, we have Wesco. He's a tough guy. He has that mentality that I really like, and that's it. What do you guys think?
2: I agree. He is a tough guy, and I am really looking forward to seeing him in this new role. Uh, But he just needs to do a lot better (laughs) because even though he hasn't really been asked to do much, he hasn't really done anything great either. Uh, he's been pretty average in just about everything, maybe even below average in uh, pass blocking. Uh, so he's he's got to really step it up if uh, he wants to be uh, talked about as uh, as the next Uh which I don't think he'll ever be. I don't even think uh, I'll be happy if he if he even lives up to just be Wesco. Yeah,
1: I think he was solid last year run blocking. You know.
2: Yeah, I do too. Actually,
0: I thought he was. Yeah. I thought he was solid run blocking too. I thought it was more of a combination of where they were asking him to get to. And if you're a fullback and they're asking you to get to the edge and seal the edge, it's a lot tougher than if you're doing a bob block on a backer in the inside. And yep. it's that I think is situation is going to be different from him. Um the juice check thing was a joke. I'll be very clear about that right now in case people didn't get that. <laughs> that was not a serious cop. Um that is worlds better than I we think we would hope him for him to be, but I think he can be a solid fullback. And what the what the fullback like we talked about with George Kittle, this is a good transition point, where George Kittle elevated the 49ers scheme and allowed them to do things with their tight end that they normally wouldn't do. The same thing can be said for Kyle Juice. And that doesn't mean that our fullback has to do the same things. Would it be great if we had a fullback that we could split out and run option routes with? Yeah, sure. But we don't need one. As long as they can just be a willing blocker, get to their spots in the run game, know their assignments, and just create lanes and every now and again leak out into the flat, catch the ball in space, and run for some extra yards, that's all they need. That's all they're going to need to do and just be solid at those handful of tasks. And you'll be a fine fullback in this system. They don't, I think Wesco has the tools to do it. And like we talked about with Kenny Yaboa, I think even more so with Trayvon Wesco, he has the attitude. He wants to knock your head off when he is coming at you. And that was kind of his issue in run blocking, is sometimes he would get over aggressive and he'd be coming so hard to try and knock somebody out that he would overrun the angle and he'd miss entirely. And the guy would just shoot inside of him and make the tackle. Where, if he can just tone it down a little bit and be play with a little more discipline, he's got the attitude to be a a great back.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, in the 49ers, they used Jusak and Kittle that way because they did not have Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, and Corey Davis. They were exactly, they were much more limited than the Jets in the perimeter, right? The Jets have skilled players. So, if West Coast is only good at lead blocking and on the running game. Just do it, you know, so be it. And they right. won't need Westville to line up on the outside and run option routes. That's it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's going to that's gonna take us to the last guy on our list. That's going to be Daniel Brown, who I'm going to cover. Uh, now, Daniel Brown is interesting. He signed for, uh, I believe it was just a one-year deal at the time, and they re-signed him at the end of 2019 um, as free agent a couple of years ago. In his two-year career with the Jets, he has a grand total of nine catches. Um, he is no more. He has one touchdown out of those nine catches in two years, and despite playing all sixteen games in 2020, and I believe all sixteen games in 2019 as well. Yes, he's only caught he only caught two balls in 2020. Where I'm going to make the point now: we were worried about Kenny Evoa. if he goes on the practice squad are we going to use the roster spot to keep another tight end and, and are we worried about that? If it was up to me, Daniel Brown would be released already because I don't think he has a future on this team or our place on the roster. I think they have other tight ends that have shown to be obviously more talented and more capable of the opportunities they're given. Yes. He's had more of a blocker role, but, Daniel Brown hasn't been that excellent of a blocker to where you're sitting there going, oh, he's a good blocking tight end. He was a good blocking tight end and why'd you sign Tyler Croft? That kind of leads me to Brown is the guy that's, I think there's no way he makes this team. And I think that him being gone from the team gives another spot for Yaboa to step into and potentially take his roster spot. We'll see how things go into training camp and, and in the future but I have not seen anything from Daniel Brown in two years that would make me perfectly sit there and square away safe with his roster spot on this team at all.
2: Yeah, I agree. I've seen nothing and yeah. What does he do better than anybody else? Right. And the answer is nothing. What does he do at all? At all. (laughs) So it's, he's just a camp body to me. Yeah.
1: You know, not to say he didn't do nothing, but he scored a nice touchdown against the Washington football team in 2019. But besides that, Daniel Brown has done nothing for the Jets. And this is a tight end room that has a lot of talent. If if Yeboah shows just enough to be your fourth tight end, even though he's not ready, you keep Yeboah over Daniel Brown. It's a no-brainer. You know, I'm with you guys here. You know.
2: Yep, the only way I see him making it is if there's an injury or if Yaboa shows absolutely nothing, uh, and I, I I don't see that happening. No, I don't see that happening
0: either. I think I think at that point, even if Yaboa shows absolutely nothing, if it's not a character issue, if it's just maybe he doesn't quite get the playbook yet or he's getting acclimated to the speed of the game, I say you cut your losses as the undrafted rookie for a year, give him the roster spot to stash him, and say we'll deal with him next year i wouldn't I wouldn't sacrifice Kenny Yeboa for Daniel Brown unless Kenny yaboa again, there's not, uh, no, I'm not saying there is. I have no idea to wonder, assuming there isn't. but unless there's some character issue that becomes a problem if it ever was a problem or is a problem at all, then I would say there's no
2: reason not to keep yaboa over or over Daniel Brown. How about this? Would you maybe not wouldn't sacrifice Yaboa for Brown? Would you sacrifice yaboa? Zach
1: Ertz, yeah, but I would sacrifice <laughs> yeah Brian Griffin maybe.
0: I really like Ertz. Yeah, I, yeah, I like Ertz too. I don't, I don't know if he has the the explosion and the the speed necessarily of some of the younger guys anymore. But I mean, he's just a a veteran player that knows what he's doing. That has been you know productive from the second he got into the NFL, and I. Do you want to talk about a guy that can be a safety blanket for your rookie quarterback? I mean, a tight end like Zach Ertz is pretty hard to find somebody better than that.
1: Yeah. But the talk was like Crowder for Ertz and I think Crowder's not leaving
2: anymore. So. Yeah. No. yeah. Crowder just recently no. uh, restructured is or not restructured. He redid his contract. Uh, I don't think we got numbers out yet for how much of a cut he's he's taking, but, uh, I'm I'm very happy to see him coming back. And yeah, no, there were. But there were he's talks. he's now a free agent after this year.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, however, they moved around the money. I imagine that they lowered his base salary for this year, but it was still more than he probably would have get if he was outright released. And now he has the opportunity to play one year instead of two and be a uh, free agent again before he's thirty, which uh, is good for Jamison Crowder too. I mean, not to. I think we've covered the tight end as well. We can end on this real quick because it's relevant, but not to go too off on, on a tangent, I think this was the best-case scenario for both sides. Yep. No, I agree. Crowder
1: can hit the open market again next year. He'll be like 28. Uh, right. He gets money on the Jets now that he wouldn't have gotten elsewhere if the Jets cut him. And the Jets, they they maintain their depth chart at wide receiver with Jameson Crowder being there, you know, a veteran guy, reliable guy. Everybody wins.
2: Yeah. Do you think there's a possibility that they went with this pay cut to make him a more desirable trade option?
0: Um, I'm going to say no, because I think if they were really planning with the intention of trading him, you do it after you draft Elijah Moore. you do it in the middle of that get what you can for that draft because if they were they were sky high on elijah moore they would have taken him in the first round like and had no problems about it so they were sold on elijah moore whether he fell to them or not they were sold and they were going to pick him at 23 so if you're going to take this guy at 23 he falls to you in the second round you have a starting slot receiver already that you're planning on trading why not get some ammo for the draft you're in right at that moment and see if you can't flip something faster than say let's wait until. June or July, and then we trade him to it for a um, a late round pick. I'd rather have a fifth during the draft than a seventh now. I agree.
2: Yeah,
0: I think for that reason they did this to keep him on the team this year, because I think they want him to mentor Elijah more.
2: Yeah, I think they really value Crowder. Yeah. Yep. If it, if yeah. it was a move to move him for Ertz straight up. That that would be one thing, but other than that, I think it's definitely worth keeping him around. He's the yep. kind of guy that's just going to work for his quarterback, and for a rookie quarterback that might need all the help he can get, that's uh, that's very valuable.
0: Yeah, I mean the guy stayed productive through despite Adam Gase. That that counts for something.
2: It does. That's what, I mean that's because I think a lot of his work is outside of the structure of the offense. He. Sure. He's so good at recognizing coverages and altering his routes based on that.
1: Yeah,
0: that's that's great for a rookie quarterback. That's that's absolutely great for a rookie to have a guy that knows how to settle in between zones, find you know, understand coverages, go where the coverage isn't going to be, and that's how Zach Wilson reads defense. It could be a a really really good match. Uh, I think it could be. Uh, I think it's a great depth move. I think it's a good move all around. Uh, I, that's all. I, it's
2: just a good move. Ooh, yeah for the tight ends. Uh, who, who do we do we have any bold predictions?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Um I'm gonna say Ryan Griffin goes for 750 yards and eight touchdowns.
2: Wow. Eight touchdowns? Eight. Okay. Uh I'm gonna say Herndon loses not only the number one. But also the number two tight end spot, he ends up being tight end three, with Yaboa coming out of nowhere and becoming the guy, and ending up with maybe 400 yards, five touchdowns.
1: I'm going to stand for Herndon here, 800 yards, five touchdowns, and the Jets give him a new deal, Briz Herndon.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for the tight end episode, guys. This has been a fun one. I'm your host, Andrew. You can find me at AndrewGolden underscore
2: 17. Guys, drop our handles. Call it a day. I'm uh, Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets.
1: And you can find me at Vitor well,
0: This has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast at OKD Podcast on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. Back next week. Bye. Back next week.